This is Digital Health Today, episode 15. Welcome to Digital Health Today, the podcast focused on the leaders, innovators, and technologies transforming healthcare today and tomorrow. Find us online at digitalhealthtoday.com. Welcome back to another episode of Digital Health Today. I'm your host, Dan Kendall, and we are back with yet another pioneering innovator who is working to improve access to and delivery of healthcare. She's lived and traveled around the world, and she's bringing her unique solution to deliver care precisely where it's needed. Stay tuned. Hello, friends. Thanks for tuning in. I'm really glad that you're here and that you're interested in what our guests have to say. This is an exciting time to be working at the edge of health technology. The pace is growing faster and the forces of change are gaining momentum. Before we begin the show, I just want to take a few seconds to invite you to strengthen this global community even more. First of all, take a minute to officially join our digital health community. We're developing resources and networks with individuals and organizations all around the world, and I'd like you to be a part of it. Just head over to digitalhealthtoday.com join and you'll become a part of our growing tribe. Secondly, there are dozens, if not hundreds, of fantastic opportunities out there for people with new ideas and solutions to stand up and get noticed in events around the world. Just as the level of competition has increased over the past three to four years, so have the value of prizes that are being offered for the best of the best. So to help you stay informed, I invite everyone to submit events, competitions, hackathons, awards, and help publicize the great opportunities that exist. Just head over to digitalhealthcompetitions.com, fill in a few details, and bang, it'll be added to our collection and shared with changemakers all around the world. Go to digitalhealthcompetitions.com and help broadcast the events that will further advance health technology. I first heard about today's guest when I was attending a conference in Las Vegas. The conference was actually not focused on healthcare, but when I was speaking to one of the other attendees about what I do, she immediately said, You've got to get in touch with the founder of Maven Clinic. This woman was from New York, and at that time, it was the first I'd heard the name Maven Clinic. But I took her advice, and I used the power of the interwebs and that little site LinkedIn, and I tracked down and got in touch with Kate Ryder. Kate hasn't always been involved in healthcare. She started out as a journalist for The Economist, and she's lived and worked in Southeast Asia, New York, and London. She then joined venture capital firm Index Ventures in London, and she focused on investments in consumer technology, health, and education. And now she's the CEO and founder of Maven Clinic, the world's first digital clinic designed specifically to empower women and provide access to better health information and services. Kate shares her perspective on how she got her business started and how it has grown and evolved. In addition to providing convenient, affordable, and accessible information, they've been really creative in the way they've engaged their users to become ambassadors for their company and brand. Let's tune in to hear Kate Ryder of Maven Clinic. Welcome to the program. Great. Thank you for having me. Kate, can you share with me a little bit about your background and what's taken you to where you are today? Sure. I used to be a journalist and I wrote for a bunch of publications like The Economist, The Wall Street Journal, Fortune. So I was a business journalist and then occasionally covered science. And when I when I realized that I wanted to leave journalism, that was probably 2000, let's see, 2010. I was living in Singapore and trying to figure out what to do next. And, you know, I was really passionate about always about, you know, what connected a lot of my journalism career was actually really entrepreneurial. The fact that I wrote for all these different publications, I even helped former Treasury Secretary Hank Paulson write his memoirs. And so it was at a time when the industry was changing a lot. And so basically, when I realized that I wanted to leave for, for various reasons, I tried my first hand at entrepreneurship 
was a Chinese travel website. So, so at the time, it was a total failure, but it definitely made me realize that actually, you know, starting a business was very much uh, something that I, I wanted to do. And I realized I had a lot to learn at that point. So I spent the next kind of three years really getting the skill set necessary to at least, you know, make my entrepreneurial ambitions a reality. And so that required leaving journalism and getting a job in another industry. And, and that was actually venture capital. So I worked in venture capital for two years, still very much looking for what kind of business I wanted to start. Wasn't sure that, didn't know that I was going to end up in healthcare actually, um, but, but really wanted to find something that supported women and, and, and finding something that was very kind of female centric, targeted at a female market was always, you know, what connected a lot of my early attempts at entrepreneurship. And finally, kind of at the, the second year working at this venture capital firm, I started covering the digital health space. And it was the same time that a lot of my friends started to get pregnant. And, and really, it just became abundantly clear that, you know, women navigate healthcare in a very different way that that men do, and particularly women, you know, when you start a family, so much of healthcare just becomes your daily reality, and and the and the burden of the the dysfunctional system in most countries, but particularly the U.S., you know, that that falls on the women. So, looking at the market, it was amazing to me that there was very few products created with women in mind. So that is what I set out to do. So, take me through what was the the time frame then when you were working for the venture capital firm, and and when you decided when you started to realize that you wanted to do something in the digital health space. It was right when digital health started to kind of get on the radar of venture capitalists and started to get its first funding. So I just started, you know, naturally looking at some digital health companies. And, you know, I have actually a lot of people in my family are doctors as well as entrepreneurs. So it actually does make a lot of sense that I ended up in, in digital health, but then just became totally, uh, totally fell in love with the industry because there's a lot of changes happening, whether, you know, from, from the federal level as the Affordable Care Act being passed from, you know, the private level with, you know, Google and Apple and Microsoft really doing interesting stuff in digital health. And then the just brutal reality of the fact that, you know, healthcare is a female driven market. Women control about 80% of healthcare decisions in the U.S., which means they control the largest industry in the U.S. And there's just so few female-centric products. You know, there's just a, a lot of, uh, particularly women's health, just feels like it's it's in, it's a backwater. The fact that you have doctors and entrepreneurs in your family explains a lot. <laughs> that gave you a good uh, yeah. understanding, I'm <laughs> sure, of what both uh, opportunities and, and challenges were and, and interesting conversations at, at family holidays and get-togethers. And the fact that you also had friends having children, which I understand you did recently as well, looking at your website. So congratulations on the birth of your um, son recently. So so those three things combined give me a good understanding of, of what you were thinking. But what actually gave you the push? What actually made you say, I want to quit my job or I want to dedicate all my blood and sweat to doing this? I brought a bunch of women together in a room over multiple weeks. And we just started talking about what was wrong with the way that women navigate the current healthcare system. And, and it was just mind-blowing. I mean, my, myself included, I hadn't started a family at that point, but just even navigating birth control when you're in your 20s, it's not easy, particularly when you're moving around a lot. And then starting to hear from friends who were starting families, and it was just kind of incredible how underserved everyone felt. And, you know, really basic things could, could be done to improve improve the situation. So for instance, helping women connect with trusted healthcare providers. A lot of people spoke about just not knowing who to who to go to and where to turn or 
you know, creating kind of a one-stop shop for women because they have so many different needs, particularly during pregnancy, but then in general in women's health, you know, that might, you might need a doctor or you might need a nutritionist or you might need a mental health provider. And so being able to actually deliver that kind of access in one place to women would, it would just be really convenient. And, and that, so that was something that came out of it through those conversations. It was August and September of, was it 2012 or no, 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 sorry, 2013, August and September of 2013, that all those conversations crystallized in kind of what Maven is today. I know you mentioned earlier about the 80% of decisions in healthcare in the U.S. are made by women. And regardless of who's making the decision, about 50% of the population are women. It's about equally split. I know it varies on the part of the world and the age range that you're looking at, but it's roughly half. Yet it's still seen as a niche issue. Women's health yeah. is still very much seen as a niche issue. And that was something that uh, was brought up on the fourth podcast that we did with Dr. Tanya Bowler. I don't know if you've met of course, Tanya. Yes, you, you've met oh, yes. Dr. Bowler before. Great. Well, she was on one of the early episodes uh, talking about her products with the LV product. Why is it that it's such a niche issue when there's such a preponderance of decisions that are being taken by women and, you know, women make up half the population? Yeah, I think a lot of, you know, a lot of the the fact that people perceive women's health as a niche is, is just the tremendous business opportunity in this space and why it's totally underserved today. I mean, because there's men men's razors, right? There's a lot of businesses in the space, like Dollar Shave Club was just bought. Harry's is there. And that, you know, that's a market similar to healthcare, but much, much smaller, where it's dominated by men. You know, 75% of the razor market is men, yet that's not perceived as niche. So all these businesses have started there, funded by venture capitalists, and, and you know, you, you can see them building huge businesses. That's just razors. <laughs> so when you like look at like the largest industry in the United States, how it has similar dynamics or it's dominated by women and people are looking at it as niche. That's just completely, I think, uninformed. What were some of the first things that you did when you said, okay, this is it. Let's go. We're going to build this business. Some of the first things I did was, you know, you need, you definitely need some early capital to, to start a healthcare business because there's a lot of regulatory issues that you have to kind of navigate as well as just in terms of the technology that you're building, it has to be HIPAA compliant. And, you know, it's not like you can just swap together something and put out an MVP. It requires a lot more build out. And so so one of the first things I did was was raise a little bit of capital and just see if, you know, we didn't really have a product at that point. It was just more on the idea alone. And it was, I think it was, it was a, a good fundraising environment and people were, were fairly excited about, uh, or at least the investors that we work with, we're fairly excited about telemedicine in general. So the, that at that time, the industry, a lot of people were really excited about the promise of the industry. And so we're the only we're the only telemedicine company in women's health still today. So we were able to raise a friends and family around on that promise. And then the first thing we did once the capital was secure was really just go out and recruit and talk to providers. And so really the heart and soul of Maven, I would say, is our practitioner network. And there are just so many amazing, I can't even tell you, just people who who work in women's health and family health are really, really mission-driven providers. They love helping patients. And so that was Really, when I started to, you know, it felt like the business was becoming a reality. It was, wow, like talking to an amazing midwife or an amazing OBGYN or an amazing, you know, women's health physical therapist talking about, you know, some of the issues that they hear from patients and how underserved this area is and how, you know, what we can do with Maven is, as, is really genuinely provide access in, in an area where even 
you know, depending whether you're, you're like when, when you're pregnant, regardless of what socioeconomic area you're from, you, you know, there's still underserved pockets and there's really underserved areas of lower income women. But then even, you know, even just hospitals across the U.S., like, you know, a lot of women talk about, you know, being pushed into C-sections or having really, really subpar postpartum experiences. And there's just, you know, miscarriage is barely touched. You know, abortion as well, just understanding physically and emotionally what, what that means that just so few people talk about it and, and, and women and girls don't know how to navigate that. So, so the ability that, you know, what, what we have and what we now very much feel like we need to do is, is to really help these providers reach more patients, particularly in areas where they don't have as much access. You've been going for about two and a half years. Explain to me what the first product was that you came out with, because looking at your website, there are lots of various strands to the business. Can you explain what the initial product was and how things have moved along with the enterprise product now and the, the maternity product and things of that sort? Sure. So, I mean, our core product is this network of providers. So that was, you know, everything that we do is around that. And the MVP, so to speak, was video appointments with women's health providers. And and it was mainly in New York only because of, you know, that was just where most of our prescribing provider network was. We did that for about six to eight months and we learned a lot. You know, at the time I was actually already talking to enterprise clients or potential clients at that time about our, our maternity products. So that's a, a, that's a pretty long sales cycle. So I had, you know, I think in healthcare, you, you, you kind of know, like, you're, you're going to be both B2B and B2C because so much of healthcare, you know, patients have payers, whether it's an insurance company or an employer or whatnot. And so they're used to, you know, hearing about new healthcare products through employers and insurers. So we, we've always been having those conversations but then, you know, launched with the consumer product to really understand what was working and, and, and what wasn't and what was resonating with patients and, and what wasn't, you know, quickly realized that actually, you know, we just needed to, to grow the marketplace, to nationalize the marketplace and then create these kind of subscription businesses on top of it so that really you could start to specialize in the type of care being delivered and, and build these kind of care teams with the different providers. So we are our maternity product, for instance, which we which we sell to employers, that's one of the products. It's a 15-month subscription um, where you get, you know, unlimited access to our network, but then you also get proactive care teams comprised of lactation consultants and women's health physical therapists and infant care specialists and midwives. And so really you're just you just have kind of that 360 degree care from all of these different health and wellness providers during your pregnancy. And so we've been able to really customize that experience and, you know, drive outcomes and and that's been, you know, and drive ROI and because maternity is so expensive in the US. But that's been great to see. And then what we're actually coming out with next month is a, a college product. And that is, you know, we when we launched, we also saw we just had so many college users because campus health services, a lot of students just weren't going to them, weren't getting, you know, access to them, or they just weren't serving some of their needs like mental health. And so we started getting all these students. So we developed an annual subscription to a campus-specific product. You know, one of the, the big things we saw with students is that they really love to message providers as well as have video appointments. But, you know, students are 50 percent more likely to, to send a send a message. And so we, we really developed a whole experience around, you know, building relationships with these providers, but doing it through both video and message. And it's very kind of 
college specific, nothing about maternity. But again, what's so cool is that at the core, it's the same providers that are seeing both our, our pregnant patients as well as our college patients, you know, one OBGYN seeing both of them anyway. So nothing's really changed. It's just more about how can we specialize and customize the care for the, for the end patient so that they're getting exactly what they want and then build trust that way. That's great. And I'm going to refer to it as an app, but I just want to explain that this is much more than an app, right? It's a whole platform people can access through a tablet, through a smartphone, or through a laptop. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. We have a web platform as well. So when you access a visitor's, I mean, when a visitor accesses a provider's website today, they might have an about page about the provider, which might explain where they went to school or how they were trained or what they specialize in, who, who they, what areas they treat. Often they'll have a photograph of themselves. It's often a dated photograph. It's probably been taken 10 years or, or so ago, and they've just never gone around to, to update it. And very rarely they'll have a video of them sort of talking to the patient or some sort of promotional video about their practice or clinic or whatever it is that do. Your app gives users a very different insight into the provider. Can you describe what that is and how that works? Yeah. So, I mean, basically we, what we found is that when patients and the, when they're looking to book with a provider, it's either, you know, they'll, they'll do it for one of two reasons. One is it's on demand. You know, they love the convenience of Maven. They just want, you know, that prescription for birth control now, and they don't care as much who they're going to see. They just want it to, you know, they just want to make sure that the provider is obviously credentialed and whatnot. So they'll go to the next available provider and they'll book an appointment with that person. But other patients, they need to, we need to earn their trust a lot more because we're a new digital product. Digital health is an entirely new industry. And so that's where patients can kind of shop around and see what, you know, what type of provider they want to see. So we offer video bios so you can actually see what a provider looks like over video. We we provide full resumes because, you know, one of the big things that we do is heavily vet this whole network. So we only accept one out of three providers who apply. And, you know, even on the app, we have a 4.9 out of five star ratings across all of our provider networks. So we, you know, we take quality extremely seriously. And so, you know, we kind of let that speak for our, for itself when, when patients are kind of shopping around, like, you know, they're always going to see the best, but sometimes it's more about who you feel comfortable with. So one patient who, who might have side effects from birth control, they might want to speak to an OBGYN, whereas another patient might want to speak to, for instance, a nutritionist if it's around eating issues or, you know, a woman going through pregnancy. Some women might want to speak to a midwife or a doula. Others might want to speak to an OBGYN. So we're really trying to offer that spectrum of, you know, of, of choice in terms of what type of healthcare you want to consume and then what provider you want to meet. So I imagine users would adapt to that very quickly and enjoy that because they'd be able to to see a video of the, the provider that they're considering and begin to form a little bit of a relationship with them or decide that they don't want to have a relationship with that provider because of for whatever reason or they might have a preference for one over another. But the providers, I imagine that's probably a little bit more foreign to them to actually create that sort of content? You mentioned that you vet the providers very thoroughly. Do you actually support them in creating this sort of content to, to sort of, if you will, market themselves? Yeah. I mean, we give them various guidelines, both visual as well as from a messaging standpoint. But really, I mean, I think particularly on the wellness side. So, 
you know, nutritionists, even mental health, you know, those are our relationships that really, you know, the, the chemistry has that matters a lot between the patient and the provider. And so I think, you know, particularly in those in those professions, they're used to this. And so one of one of the promotions that we actually run kind of along these lines is called therapist speed dating. And that just, you know, one of the big pain points offline is that so many people who seek mental health support, it's really hard for them to find a therapist they actually like and connect with. And so we allow our patients to basically have lightning sessions of like 10 minutes, meet our mental health providers. And then when you find one that you like, you then, you know, book your full length appointments. And so that, you know, that's another way that we're trying to kind of really, for, for patients who who express kind of very strong preferences and, and really choice matters to them and, 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 their provi- and who they speak to, then, um, you know, we're constantly just trying to connect the right and build that right relationship because that, that at the end of the day is also one of the main principles of our business is that healthcare at its core should remain human. And so it's really the patient provider relationship, which is, is so important. And so I would hope that all the technology we build and all the product features that we're building ultimately, you know, they're just kind of in the background because when you think about Maven, you're actually thinking about the provider you're seeing on Maven. Yep. I want to talk about the founding principles uh, shortly, but first I wanted to ask you just broadly around the use of the app and your support for users. Getting a person to use an app initially is an accomplishment to have them discover you (laughs) in this sea of, what is it, about a million, nearly a million apps now. For them to discover your app, download it, engage with it, and use it is an accomplishment. To get to use on, on an ongoing basis or repeatedly is sort of the holy grail of mobile development. What are you doing to win new users and to keep them engaged in your platform? Yeah, so one of the big things about being kind of a, a women's health company and, and really targeting a very specific audience, it, it allows you to kind of grow via word of mouth and through kind of or paid referrals among communities of women. And so if a woman who, let's say, is six weeks postpartum and has a really positive experience on Maven with a lactation consultant where it meaningfully kind of saved her in a time of need, then she's going to recommend Maven to her other friends going through that period because, you know, we are a very new product and new user behavior and new experience. And so we've really, you know, been able to kind of grow that way is that, you know, on the one hand, we, we don't have any direct competitors. And so there's pros and cons to that. But the pro is that actually, you know, when, when a user kind of when we really help a user, it's, it's, it's great. She, you know, she's recommending us to her friends. And so we're really seeing that, um, which is helping us grow a lot and get new users to download, you know, a new health app onto their phone. Because obviously, as you mentioned, a lot of people have app exhaustion and particularly for a healthcare product and a healthcare app, it's hard. But when, you know, when all of a sudden women are, are recommending us to their friends and saying, hey, listen, like if you ever need a, you know, a prescription or advice or something, something's going wrong, you can, you can literally connect to providers instantly through Maven and they're all amazing. You know, people, people keep us around. <laughs> well, I think that's a really interesting approach and I think it's great to have users share their experience with others. Is it an ambassador's program? Is that what I see? Yeah, exactly. Is that open for enrollment? Can anybody listening go, go on your website and, and apply to, to be a part of that? Yeah, no, absolutely. We have both campus ambassadors, so college students spreading us around their campuses, and they're definitely making some good spring break money with us. And then we have brand ambassadors, and those are a lot of kind of women in their 20s and 30s, some women who are part-time working from home, a lot of new moms. And that's, again, just kind of spreading 
spreading Maven around to their communities and, and you know, earning some, some decent money if, if they get a lot of sign-ups. So that's, that's definitely, please, please go to our website and sign up. Great. Yeah, I'll make sure I include a link to that on the show notes. You mentioned earlier that putting humans at the center of healthcare was one of the founding principles for your business. Do you have others that, that are sort of forming the core and the foundation of what you're building? Yeah, we actually, we have three that have been central from day one. One is actually that healthcare is, is humans. So my great-grandfather was a doctor, my grandfather was a doctor, and my uncle was a doctor. And so I interviewed my uncle and asked him what it was like to be the son of a doctor and then practice medicine today where healthcare has dramatically changed in the last kind of 50, 60 years. And that was keeping healthcare human was very much at the core of that interview where my grandfather would develop relationships with patients. A lot of them you know, I think he had 500 people at his funeral and they were all his patients because he would make house calls and he really got to know them. Whereas today, it's so much more transactional. And, you know, patients only spend, for instance, eight, eight minutes, I think, is the average in America with, with your doctor. And it just it just lessens the whole experience of healthcare. And so, you know, and then when you look at digital health, there's a lot of people who are saying, oh, you know, we don't need doctors at all. We can just really diagnose and prescribe with with AI, and I think you can also use technology to actually restore that depth and continuity in the, in the patient-provider relationship. So that's that's our first principle. Our second one actually is that, you know, it's not just doctors. I've kind of touched on this a little bit, but it's not just doctors who should be on the front lines of digital health, but really it's all providers, including nurse practitioners and midwives and mental health providers and doulas and lactation consultants. And so, you know, one of the things that I think also is so important about a great healthcare experience that technology can improve is the fact that, you know, like you, if you have a, an issue, it might not just be one provider who can help you. So for instance, eating disorders, you know, you, you need to probably talk to both a mental health provider and a nutritionist and a, you know, a doctor or nurse practitioner about that. And so being able to kind of access all of these different types of provider on Maven is, I think, making healthcare actualizing its potential and using all providers, their fullest capacity is, is really needed in this whole improving access. And then the other principle is just that better care for women it should be a social imperative. And the fact that people still think, you know, this is a, it's a niche serving 50% of the population who control most of the spend and, and consume more health care than, than the other half of the population is just is an example of the fact that we still have a long way to go. So just kind of bringing health, women's health out of the shadows and helping serve all the issues that affect women and not just kind of, you know, primary care issues like a sinus infection, but really getting to the core of, of women's health, which is contraception and fertility and menstruation. You know, none of that should be taboo and it should be really easy to access help around those areas. You mentioned early in the conversation about a sales cycle. In terms of sales, what is the business model that you're operating under? I think it's going to be pretty straightforward in terms of your having a user pay for for their consultation. But can you give us any other insight? Are you is there any charge on the sort of provider side? Is there any sort of maintenance charge or ongoing subscription that that might make up different offerings for different types of customers? Yeah. So at our core, we have our marketplace, which is where a patient can access a provider and they pay for that. And it's about you know we're we're about the same price as a copay. So insurance isn't even necessary. You can access a nurse practitioner 
for $18 and get a prescription off the back of that. So actually we're cheaper than a copay. For our college product and for our, our enterprise product, those are those are more subscription-based. So with corporates, we sell a 15-month subscription. It's unlimited access to our telemedicine network. And then it's actually proactive. It's a proactive program all around prenatal postpartum care and then the transition back to work, which is also a huge and underserved area. And I am also very much learning from firsthand experience how difficult it is. And so, you know, a lot of companies not only are seeing really high costs from from their maternity spend, but then they're losing women after women have kids because there's just not a lot of support there. And so we really help companies both think thoughtfully about, you know, better maternity and smarter maternity spend and, and how to reduce some of that as well as retention and creating competitive benefits for women. So so that's one product. And then the other one that we're launching next month is, is Campus. And so that's $300 a year. It's an annual subscription and it's just unlimited access to the Maven platform. And that's where a lot of students you know, can build relationships with providers through messaging as well as video appointments. And they can get, you know, their birth control prescriptions or other prescriptions that they need through Maven. So they can, you know, if it's final time and, and they have a sinus infection and they need antibiotics, they can get it through Maven without having to kind of lose a half day and, and waiting for campus health services. But then also they can just start to consume healthcare in a totally different way than other generations that's so dysfunctional. So, you know, the idea is that if students can proactively and, you know, speak to providers when they have questions or concerns or need health advice, and it's not such a burden that they're not going to just go to seek care in emergency situations, that they're going to be more proactive about their health. So that's something that we're pretty excited about for our campus products. Well, again, I'm going to have links to all this on the show notes. I know that you spent some time in the UK studying at LSE at the London School of Economics, and I saw that you had Justine Roberts, who's the CEO and founder of MomsNet, just the UK's largest parenting website. She's on your advisory board. Any plans for international expansion? Yeah, I mean, so I actually lived in London for four years. I've lived in Singapore. When I was a journalist, I lived a lot um, around the world. And so absolutely there are plans for that. We already have people in Africa from the UN using us. We have, you know, friends of mine in London who recently had babies have been using us. So, you know, you're starting to see just through personal networks, international patients using us. But, you know, in terms of formally launching, yeah, we, we absolutely will, will be pursuing that at a certain point. But for now, I mean, patients in any country can access our network. That's brilliant. I didn't realize that. I'm based in the UK. But I, I presume that there was something about the IPs that you would be filtering out and not allowing people from overseas to access. But you're you're saying anybody who's got a smartphone or a connection and pays their pays for their uh, appointment can access a US based provider. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it, the appointment would be very much an educational appointment. So it, it's similar to you know, if, if you were in a, a lecture and you raised your hand and, and you had a question, you know, that's really how we're seeing it used is, is kind of, you know, women's health is so educational, like just, just questions on those issues, as, as well as for some wellness services like lactation consulting, you know, birth planning and whatnot. And so, so yeah, that's that's very international. It's a very convenient and, frankly, inexpensive way to get a second opinion, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're in the UK and you're going through the National Health Service and you've waited as long as you need to to, to get an appointment at the NHS and, and get the referrals that you need and you want a second opinion, being able to access a second opinion by a, a, a personally selected provider in the US and ask those questions to might might be a, a good resource. Yeah, no, I mean, so much of medicine is interpretation. And so if you don't trust your 
current healthcare provider, you don't have a relationship with your offline provider, then, you know, building a relationship with someone on Maven and just constantly getting, you know, getting their opinion as well is something that we've heard is, is, is very valuable for our patients. Excellent. Well, Kate, I have a few questions I'd like to ask every guest who comes on the program. Do you have a few minutes that you can spend with me answering these questions? Yep. Fantastic. I'll just jump into them. What's the best advice or your favorite quote or saying that motivates you? I think, you know, when I get really, so my dad's an entrepreneur, so he's been, he's given me some great, great advice through the years because I've, I probably have the same shortcomings as he does. So, so he says, you know, when I get very impatient, I'm a very impatient person. He always likes to remind me that you know, life is long, full of many chapters. And so, you know, that's, I think, for an entrepreneur who's impatient to, you know, grow faster and, and make the next sale, like, you know, that's that, you know, life is long and, and you can't do everything overnight. What advice would you give to other innovators and entrepreneurs who are working in health? Yeah, so I would say ignorance is bliss when it comes to regulation and privacy law and, and just, you know, healthcare in the U.S. in general. So don't learn too much about it. If you're entering the space, you can, you you shouldn't or else you might not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the advice is that there there's so much to do in this industry. There's so much that's wrong with it. And healthcare is just a little, it takes a little bit longer than other industries. And so if you're going to, if you're going to get into healthcare, you know, it shouldn't be for some kind of quick sale. You're going to be hopefully in it for the long run and that it is so incredibly rewarding though. Like, you know, every, every day, every month, because you're, you're having such meaningful impact in such a broken industry where, you know, patients' lives are at stake and patients' well-being. And so, so even though it's a slow industry and it's a maddening industry from the regulatory standpoint, it's, I think, incredibly rewarding. What book would you recommend and why? Let's see. So there's a great, a great book called How Doctors Think. And that is ultimately, I mean, goes back to a little bit about how doctors that, you know, the patient provider relationship is so important and doctors are, are humans themselves. And so it's, it's all about, you know, this idea that medicine is also interpretation and it's all about the patient provider relationship. And so by a, a guy named Jerome Grootman, he's also a writer for the New Yorker. He's a doctor, but he really goes to show you that, you know, healthcare is not a, a transactional industry that, you know, if a patient has a disease and no one's able to diagnose it, it's really going back and getting the story and understanding the symptoms and, you know, really building that relationship is actually gets to the core of a lot of issues that patients have. And then, and, you know, healthcare, healthcare really needs, needs that relationship to be sound in order to function well. Now, what technology tool or app besides the Maven app would you recommend to listeners and why? <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's all my food delivery apps. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, <laughs> Seamless or Caviar or in, um, in the UK, Deliveroo. <laughs> and finally, yeah. we're going to make a financial donation to a charity of your choice. What charity have you selected and can you tell us a little bit about what they do? Yeah, I'm so excited about that. So we actually have a part of Maven called the Maven Foundation, where every time a patient books an appointment, we donate a dollar to a woman or child in need, and we have charity partners. So I'd love for you to donate to our current charity partner that we're about to roll out, the Lower East Side Girls Club. So that's a lot of working with younger girls and making sure that in middle school and high school and just making sure that they they get a good kind of, they're building their confidence. They're getting kind of good, you know, from our perspective, women's health education before they kind of become young adults and go off to college and that they're, you know, getting all the, the benefits of a happy, 
healthy, supportive network. So it's an amazing organization in New York City. And so we were about to offer, you know, free free women's health appointments with our nurse practitioners for some of these girls to kind of educate them about their bodies. Uh, and would love if you wanted to make a donation to them as well, because they do so many other amazing things besides just the, the healthcare component. I absolutely will do that. If you can send me across a link just to make sure I find the right charity, I'll also include that link in the show notes so other people who are listening can can support that charity if they choose to as well. Great. So, Kate, tell me, how can people connect with you and stay informed of Maven Clinic's progress? So please, our website, mavenclinic.com, you can become a brand ambassador. So if you scroll down to the bottom, you know, there's a lot of pages for that. So you can become a brand ambassador whether that's for campus or just in general to help promote Maven. We'd love to see you as patients. So we're running a a fall promotion right now where your first appointment is free with a code on the homepage, first free. You know, you can meet one of these amazing providers. So I I encourage everyone listening to, to do that. Also, we offer first free messages. So you could even just by, you, you could, you know, send a message to somebody to try us out. And just in general, you know, help, help spread the word. Absolutely. And can we follow you on Twitter? Yep. So we're at Maven Clinic on Twitter. We're at Maven Clinic on Instagram, on Facebook as well. So we're, we're across all social platforms. So we have some, we actually, we, we publish a lot on our own blog too. So you can, you can read some fun and serious articles about women's health. We try to change it up a bit. So yeah, so, so please, please connect with us. Will do. Kate, thanks a lot for being with us. Okay. Thanks so much. There you have it. That's Kate Ryder from Maven Clinic. You can check out all the notes and links from our discussion by visiting digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash 15. While you're there, click to join our newsletter and check out some of the resources that are available there online. If you found this podcast helpful, why not share it with someone you know? We have more great guests coming up soon, so hit subscribe on your podcast app to be sure to get all these episodes instantly as they go live. And while you're looking at your phone, I'd love it if you drop me a quick line to let me know what you'd like to hear next. Email me directly at dan at digitalhealthtoday.com. Thanks for tuning in. That's it for me today. As always, and until next time, keep on innovating.